Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. This is episode 0053. As we celebrate the one-year anniversary here at The Light Inside, looking back, we talked a great deal about finding deeper purpose in our lives, simply asking, what does it mean to live deeply? It's often said, if we want to truly live deeply, we must love deeply. If we want to set our worlds on fire, seek those who fan our flames, loving them deeply and the life we create together in return. Joining us today is author, fitness professional, and life coach, Larry Indiviglia. His Amazon bestseller, 126 Days and 11 Minutes, Our Story, was written to honor the life of Gail, a woman he shared a short but very compassionate, deep and endearing love story with as she battled stage four cancer. Today, we find out why Larry considers his relationship with Gail one of the most profound experiences of his life. Listen in and find out why on The Light Inside. I want to share a little secret with you today about a podcast booking and matching platform I truly love. As a podcast host and guest, my go-to podcast booking app is podmatch.com. If you currently have a podcast, regularly guest on podcast, or if you are new to the podcasting game looking to start your show, podmatch.com is an industry leader. They quickly and effortlessly connect ideal podcast guests and hosts. Their process is super easy and highly effective. Create your free guest or host account and set up your profile. It's really that easy. And the Podmatch AI will work its magic in the background, delivering your ideal interview matches within minutes, tailored uniquely for you. As a host and executive producer of the Top 100 Self-Improvement Podcast, The Light Inside, I found more high-quality guests on Podmatch than anywhere else and in a fraction of the time. So if you're looking to expedite your podcast booking experience, fill in your calendar with high-engagement content, creating value and meaning for your listening community. Check out podmatch.com, that's P-O-D-match.com, today and discover your ideal match magic. jumping into a powerful and very moving story today. Hold on, this one will pull at the heartstrings. Joining us today is author and personal development coach Larry Indiviglia. Larry and I are sharing a discussion about his book, 126 Days and 11 Minutes, Our Story. The book details his brief yet extraordinary relationship with Gail, a woman he met while caught in the battles of stage four cancer. Larry is sharing with us today the awesome power of unconditional love throughout our lives. Hello, Larry, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Fantastic. Fantastic. I thank you for reaching out. Boy, we booked this, I guess, about four months ago, and yeah. Valentine's Day seemed like such a long way away at that point, but here we are. <laughs> and here we are. How quickly things change and evolve and life rolls on. Yeah, I've been listening to some of your episodes. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Well, thank it's you. certainly making a difference to a lot of people. Thank you. It's been such an incredible journey. A true testament, just a fantastic outpouring of such a wide variety of perspective and insight from guests. So it's guiding itself where it needs to go. And that was the whole intention of, of setting out on this journey to explore how we each find that light inside, you know, and to me, as I'm so grateful for the outpouring because that is where my heart's intention was. How do we 
help guide others to find that story inside of us and inside of them and the same basic path to finding the story that's within us all. Again, you know, that's not to toot my horn because the whole intention was how do I create that open book for others to step into and write? I am just so humbled and completely grateful that that has taken hold and others are finding that belief and that alignment with that energy. Beautifully said. You know, Jeffrey, it's interesting when you have the ability and the willingness and the courage to put yourself out there, something incredibly good, and uh, albeit great, will happen that you can't predict. And it's, it's that courage to put out there. And if you have a strong message and really believe in what you're doing, man, it's powerful. Yeah. Super. I listened to, uh, it was very fascinating, your episode with Dean McMurray. Yeah, that very, was a, very cool. a really cool episode. Yeah. We didn't yeah. really dive, dive down deep as far as we could into that whole peeling back the hood and looking at that process and practice of channeling and finding that spiritual voice. We kind of took a curve there and started mm -hmm. looking at the angle of how that voice kind of helped him find his purpose. I want to go back with Dean yeah. and dive in for a second talk where we go deep into how that kind of spiritual being and that spiritual connection takes form. Yeah, to me, that was completely fascinating. It is. Yeah. I've consulted yeah. a medium before and, and talked to my late sister. It's powerful. Yeah. And the people who have that power and that, I'll, I'll say talent or I don't, it's not a skill. Yeah. It's that inherent talent yeah. that's uh, universe given. It's very fascinating and very powerful. Yeah. If you've ever been. Yeah, through we've it. had I mean, some contact on a couple different occasions with different forms of mediums, uh, energy workers, whatnot. Some of the things that have come to light yeah. have been, you know, very startling, very telling. And some of it has been kind of that aha moment that kind of reveals certain aspects of our lives throughout our entire family from our offsprings, my fiance, I, you know, we have all had that interaction with it where it's kind of like, wow, that connects some of the dots. So yeah, it is such a, a powerful medicine to engage, you know, such a, a powerful, all filling sense of, you know, how does this universe really work and where do we truly connect with things? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's astounding. It's astounding what true infinite and limitless potential we all engage and hold. And so often I think take kind of that backseat for grantedness of that we truly are limitless in our being. Yeah, no doubt. And it's funny, you guys got into discussion about the dash and as far as that that between the goalposts, <laughs> past versus the future, and I, I'm very related to that because yeah, in, in the yeah. book that was uh, it was about living in the present with Gail and yeah. not worried about what was behind or certainly what was down the road because uh, mm -hmm. we did not know how far down the road we were going to go. Yeah. It turned out to yeah. be a short road, however, it was never mm, perceived wow. as such. Yeah, never take a single moment, a single drop of life for granted. Never take for granted that unconditional love for another mm. when they're connected with our life or how we're interacting with them. I think that's a great point to launch into today in our discussion. Where do we make sure that we're living from a place of unconditional mm. love in all mm. that we do? I learned sometimes we can only go as far as the journey that we've been on and some of, some of the loss and some of the personal work mm. that I did before I met Gail it was all a foundation to actually prepare me to meet a person of where she was at. Yes. And that really helped me because you, you hit an unconditional love. And if we discuss it, you know, Gail you said, and I, I shared it in the book, can I unconditionally love somebody else if you don't unconditionally love yourself first and accept yourself first? Because there's going to be that inner conflict about I'm not good enough or maybe regrets or I don't deserve this. And when you do some of that personal work and you accept yourself for who you are as an imperfect person, mm -hmm. some things worked out in your life better than others, all lessons, you're able to then accept somebody because they're going to have flaws. Yes. They're going to have challenges. They're going to have obstacles. They're not going to be, quote, perfect. We're all not perfect. <laughs> but that was one of the things I, I felt really helped me. And I think the universe brought us together because maybe I was prepared and then she was prepared as well. But, you know, sometimes you can't explain that stuff. Definitely. It's said that yeah. we're aligned to, not only aligned to, but attract into 
exactly what we need and what we're designed to bring into being. We look at that from so many angles. There are so many thoughts and feelings. Do we create a destiny or do we attract a destiny? Mm. Are we locked into a destiny or does our energy affect and influence how that experience unfolds, you know, what we create, what we pull in, you know, how we even perceive it. To me, that's the ultimate fascination. And again, channeling into that limitless, mm. unlimited nature of all being yeah, throughout profound. the universe. Uh, and maybe not profound, maybe just a simple, <laughs> simple recognition. How profound do we make it and how big of a, a challenging thought do we make anything in life? To me, it becomes ultimately, how are you loving yourself? Are you loving yourself in a way that you create challenge and adversity in everything you do? Or do you open up to that unconditionalness of, mm-hmm. I am open to an awareness and an understanding of not only me, of everyone around me, of how I interact mm-hmm. throughout my entire course, throughout my being and throughout life. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Insightful to say the least. It's interesting too, Jeffrey, your, your uh, episode with Dean, a lot yeah. of the energies and where he went and discovered Gail had a lot of mysticism to her. Yeah. Oh yeah, she did. She did. She, she had some Viking influence. She was a mystical person. She did not have a traditional view of, of God, let's just say. Okay. She believed in an expansive universe. She believed Mm -hmm. in definitely a higher level of consciousness, but she didn't have a traditional sense, you know, for let's say an organized religion point of view and no judgment on any of that, but uh, that wasn't her. And she was in astrology. She was into, um, I think they used the Vikings call it rune stone castings to try to get a sense of where you are in your journey. It's very, very interesting. and, And she believed in nature. Gosh, she was very strongly connected to nature and its power and then where she stood with nature. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. We are nature at our nature. <laughs> there you that go. brings us back to that idea that, you know, we are spiritual beings mm-hmm. living yeah. in a physical we experience. Well, is it spiritual beings you know, living the human experience rather than human beings living a spiritual experience? You know, you can. Yeah. We, we could probably talk yeah. about that for yeah. hours. But we are, there is a greater, you know, the time we spend down here and our earth journey is so short. Uh, In Gail's words, we're barely here before we're gone, you know, and that's actually true when you think back on it. Even in perspective, here comes the harsh curve of reality, tying back to that conversation with Dean. Where do we go once we leave? And do we actually leave? Is this just the temporary shell? Are we passing through? Yet we try to live within that condition and that shaped understanding of how we form, you know, what we think this life is and what we think our existence is. To me, that's the the big, deep, profound curve. Look at it. Yes. And it's it's very interesting. You you say this on Gail's journey. And and I met her towards the latter stages of her life. I certainly didn't know that right away. It turned out that Mm. way. That was her journey. That was going to be her journey before transitioning to a higher level of consciousness and looking at, well, I'm alive in the womb. I've got a I've got a certain life there. Then I've got a life here on Earth after I'm out of the womb. Mm. And then that's just preparing me for the next level of consciousness. And, um, you know, sometimes people who believe in reincarnation, it's like, well, have I lived a good life? Have I been of service to other people? Did I do good in the world? Did I live on a high level? Did I live a not necessarily big, rich life as far as riches, but was it significant? Was it meaningful? You know, did it help others? Because then if I go to that next higher level of consciousness, I'm ready to stay there. And then some people believe in reincarnation, you have to come back down, right? And then live a life on a higher level because maybe you didn't do that the first time. And uh, I'm not necessarily well-versed in reincarnation, but I I know Gail thought a little bit about that, especially towards her ending. Have I done enough? Mm. Have I been kind person? Did I make a difference? Did I treat people right? Did I serve? Those are the questions that she was processing, you know, towards that latter stage, especially when she was in hospice. And um, eventually, I think if people come to terms with that, if they feel good about that, or perhaps they feel they haven't. And that also becomes an obstacle for them finding peace before they transition. You know, that's that's always something there, too. I, I witnessed that. Speaking to that, we always look at that notion, no matter how we align our 
spiritual and religious and practical beliefs, we are, as human beings, constantly trying to evolve within that notion of what brings us meaning and what value we create. You know, is that an inward value, an outward value? How do we balance all of those states and ways of beings to ultimately throughout that course and throughout our journey forward, throughout where we determine our end zone, the end game to be, to find that ultimate sense of what is the essence and purpose of our being, purposefulness being, you know, that present state of it. What are we doing with purposeful intention throughout all we do? How does that create meaning for ourselves and others? Yes. And, you know, I I think the word that comes up, Jeffrey, is this to me, I've been in the coaching profession for a while, at least coaching fitness professionals and such, is the, uh, you know, we hear the word success a lot and it's it's a powerful word and how you define your success for yourself. But whatever success you achieve and whatever success means to you, there's that level higher in that you then seek to be significant. And that that Mm. was actually my uh, theme for last year. Do something significant. I think that's a key word, significance. You know, I Mm. think so often we trip ourselves up looking for evaluating the level. Is it more? Is it less? Are we gaining, expanding, moving on a higher vibration? I feel we may be selling ourselves short. And this is just one angle of aspect to look at it by saying, are we over-evaluating and attaching the meaning in that data? Or are we simply looking in how that meaning becomes significant? Mm. Yeah. 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 And how do you qualify or define significance? You know, <laughs> and that in and of itself, I think, is some of the beauty. What is the essence of being becomes kind of a more neutral, open slate of creation to me versus saying I am moving into a conditioned state of love and being with my experience and within the experience of the rest of the world by setting limitations, bounds, and measurements, attachments, mm-hmm. things that we bump up against that create resistive states rather than states of flow, states of attraction, states of co-creation, coexistence, moving together to just be. You know, I think that's where we often can get misguided in our path. Yes, and we're living today in some aspects, not all aspects, certainly, uh, it's kind of Society puts conditions on things. You meet somebody battling stage four cancer. Yes. So society may say, (laughs) well, you can give a donation perhaps Mm. to a charitable nonprofit that does research to help such people. And then, you know, you don't get involved. You don't get into a relationship. There's not going to be anything in it, quote, for you tangible. We fear that state of vulnerableness Mm -hmm. of being present. But that said, we're able to, uh, I think when it comes to relationships anyway, or as far as love relationships, here it is Valentine's week, right? Is your hearts or our hearts do not have any questions if you follow them genuinely. Yeah. (laughs) It's when your mind is trying to tell your heart, Mm. you know, sometimes you, you hear Different gurus, Jeffrey, say 18 inches between the head and the heart, and they have to measure up. I'm not really sure I believe all that. (laughs) I believe the heart doesn't have any questions. If you follow it, it will lead you to places. Can your heart become broken? I suppose it can. However, if you're so wrapped up and worried about, oh, my heart's going to get broken or it's not going to get broken, you have to, as you say, be and then flow with it give it a chance and follow it Mm. and then see where it leads you and the experience that you have. And I I let my heart lead when I make you. And I'm glad I did because um, if I used logic, I would not have had a relationship with her and all due respect to people who basically use logic to govern everything they do in life. Where does that logic interact and how does that relationship evolve and unfold. Our brain ultimately processes those feelings, those senses, those bodily sensations, and they all act in tandem. Where do the other factors come into play? Where do we interject conditioning, patterning, set beliefs with what we are currently thinking, feeling? How do those evolve and interact? That's a whole nother show. 
It is. That's a whole other show. It, it is. And the, the, the concept, and you just pointed towards it, the concept of thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. thoughts could suppress feelings. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be negative. Um, don't be unsure. You know, like all these don'ts, you know, your mind is telling you this. Don't, don't, don't. And, and, and mindset training is beautiful. Yeah. I'm not yeah. against mindset training. But a constant or continual suppression of feelings leads to not accepting yourself. Yeah. And then it's just always there. What we resist persists, right? What we resist persists sometimes. And if you constantly just resist yeah. this feeling, <laughs> well, no, I don't feel great today. I feel happy. I feel happy. Well, you may not feel happy, but there is that duality. You can live yeah. with that duality. There can be joy, but there can be sorrow. Yeah. Uh, in Gail's case, there can be health, but there can also be cancer. Yeah. And so in accepting that, that's being real. And that's being able to move forward in life and continue to live rather than not nope, this feeling can't exist. So that, that is a whole show. Thoughts versus feelings and the interaction between them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's reel back we've kind of dove down and oh, yeah. went down that yeah. broad philosophical view which so happens with my involvement <laughs> let's reel that back you are the author of a book 126 days and 11 minutes a story of love sharing the story about a woman named gail whom you met online and shared a brief yet passionate relationship while she was battling stage four cancer. I'm going to give you the floor and let you share that story a little bit with us today. Sure. And thanks this Valentine's week, especially mm. about love and about relationships and how they could be very powerful for a long time or for a short time. Yes. The story with Gail yes. and I, and you pointed to it here a little bit, two actively aging seniors in their 60s. Yes, in their 60s. I was 64. Gail was a little bit older at 68. <laughs> decide to go on an online dating site and look for love. Mm. Okay. We had both done that before had not found it yet. And this was January 2020. So just about a year ago, frankly, a little more than a year ago. Maybe against all odds or against all logic, they connect powerfully, very, very quickly mm. and aligned uh, mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually, even though one of them is battling stage four cancer. In this case, Gail, we both decide, Larry and Gail, yes. to live in the today, in the present, in each beautiful day, not worry about the past not worry about the tomorrows mm. and to really embrace each day and to have an honest, intimate, romantic, loving relationship. And ultimately in that process of 126 days, it, it, en it ends up lasting 126 days where Gail was relatively healthy, even though she was battling the stage four and had been for four plus years for about 65 to 70 days of that 126 days. Then when the cancer returns, the relationship has to go even deeper. But it proves, it proved to us, Jeffrey, and everybody listening, mm. that one, it's never too late to fall in love. And two is, it is both possible and worthwhile to love with loss yes. rather than never to have experienced or risk doing that. Mm. That is the summary, if you will, or the canvas by which I wrote. It's a book of inspiration and joy. It's not a book about death and dying and grieving and horror and depression. As a person transitions at later stages of life, there's some joyful things that happen. There's some challenging, quote, sad things that happen. But the book is written in days, 126 days. Each day has a theme and a title, depending on what was important for that day. And that was based on my notes, my voicemails, my texts, my detailed journaling. Yeah. And mm. how I was captivated by Gail. And it started just like maybe what you've done in a sense, Jeffrey, with, with your wonderful programming. It starts with a choice. She made a powerful choice mm. to embrace life and love to the end, to accept herself as a cancer patient. That was just part of her being. And yet she was going to continue to live, yes. not hide in its shadow, but to embrace life and love to the end. And uh, that choice she made inspired me to make the choice to have a relationship with her and to experience something that 
I never would have experienced. The lessons I learned about life and love from her ultimately now are being shared on your forum and others so that Gail lives on because of that choice she made. First of all, I have to say, you know, wow, what an amazingly heartbreaking yet beautiful story. You know, what a great and powerful sentiment to look at how being open allows us to be guided toward the potential in things, to be in line with great experiences, you know, to be in line with becoming what something might be. To me, that's such a powerful, impactful look and view to take here. It's interesting in that I also made a choice and Gail made a choice. It was kind of mm. parallel choices, if you will, that we both wanted to discover love in the year 2020. And I, I made the conscious choice, hey, my my love form of wealth or aspect of my life is really not good right now. So I want to improve it. I'm going to take action and to improve it. And Gail, the same way. So you get uh, similar energies. And when you have similar energies and people having an attraction for one another, and I, I call it a captivation. I was very captivated by Gail's courage and honesty. She was very upfront, mm. Jeffrey, on our first phone call. And then our first date the next night, which I share both in the book. It was uh, her pure honesty and ability to have a sense of, this is where I am. I have hope. I, I don't intend to die tomorrow. I feel I'm going to beat this cancer. I've been at it for four and a half years, even after a single mastectomy, neck surgery, massive chemo, radiation on the brain. I have been through all that. I've survived. I'm still here. I'm still maintaining hope. That great um, book by um, Jerome Groupman, the audacity to still maintain hope and wait for a miracle to happen. You know, very, very important. And Gail was that way. And how one person, almost what you're saying, could inspire another and how you work together and relate together to create something that you never would have been able to do alone. So I would say um, yeah. uh, together yeah. is better, less is more, simple is good. And we kind of kept our relationship on those levels. Yeah. You know, nowhere could I ever believe a greater circumstance where we are shown and guided to that principle of courage, openness, and vulnerability that removes so many of those limitations we experience in all of our relationships and seeing the love and light in others. Yes, and very, very perceptive comment in that when you make a decision, as I did, as it, as it turned out, it can help you risk, it can help you accept, and it can help you recognize or to continue to recognize the greatness in other people, which is really the greatness in ourselves, okay? Yes. What, what they have to offer, not because you want something from them, but even in tough circumstances, you know, cancer patients too, and it doesn't have to be cancer. In Gail's case, it happened to be, yeah. you know, you get the diagnosis and then you could be just kind of shuttled off to the side and become a number. You do your chemo treatment, whatever treatment needs to be and every case is different. Okay. And you could become a number and just, you live in the shadow. Oh, she's got cancer. He's got cancer. And there's people, and, and you see stories all the time. And I'm sure you've talked to some people on your beautiful show yes. is, you know, how they've responded to adversity, how they've been able to kind of walk through the fire and find a higher level of, as you say, being in this universe. And they even offer more to people, even with their limitations. It's almost like their limitations or their challenges give them the ability to serve and give more. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. it's yeah. contradictory a little bit more if I'm totally healthy, totally accepted myself, totally strong, man, I am just a great person. I'm ready to give to the world. In some cases, maybe we become complacent because maybe we haven't, I think we've all overcome challenges, but it's ones that are the most challenges, Jeffrey, that end up giving the most. Yeah, so often we form those attachments to the very things that we either create or accept as that block of becoming simply what we wish to be. Mm -hmm. I think that act of acceptance, as you mentioned, is so important to emphasize how we move into that state of complete love, you know, that complete embodiment of what the word love means 
starts by that openness. You know, that leads to that state of becoming mm. true altruism. Altruism is a good word, Jeffrey. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, you hear the word selflessness. Yeah, it can often be a confusing one. People hear that. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there, there's something else. There's something else, too. In, in the work you do, you're, you're a giving person. You serve. And what I learned from Gail because she quoted me, uh, one of her favorite songs was Nature Boy, which is an older song sung by Nat King Cole, yeah. like the late great yeah. Nat King Cole. Mm. And in very, very, very profound lyric, very short. Yes. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And be love. So what does that mean? Mm. Giving and giving and giving is very important, but we must learn to receive. And Gail, some, some people may say, well, in 126 days, 11 minutes, Gail received a lot from Larry. You know, she really couldn't give much. She was, a, mm. you know, she was challenged by cancer. She didn't have much. You know, Larry was able to provide a, a, a many things for her. Yes. True. However, what I received from Gail was exponentially more than anything I felt that I gave her. And I had to be open to receive that love. Cause many times in that love relationship challenge, let's say in this particular case, at least between a man and a woman, yes. we can have difficulties receiving when we're always a giver, or if we're always receiving, we can have maybe some problems giving when the two are readily accepted. We're giving and receiving together. It's a beautiful thing, yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah. You know, to me, that guides me toward the thought of psychologist Carl Rogers and his theory of unconditional positive regard. Mm. Break that down a little bit. It's described as basic acceptance and support of a person, regardless of what that person says or does. Mm. Developing three mm. core conditions of positive regard, empathy, congruence, and unconditional positive regard that's a powerful word positive regard that's actionable and and of course compassion and a certain extent empathy as well yes um if yes. all of us probably have or many of us I, I hesitate to use the word all but many many of us have gone down a road that has been similar to somebody else that we connect with you know so that we can put ourselves in their shoes because yeah. perhaps we've been there on some level and and, and empathy being there and having done it, that's one thing, but being empathetic is another, okay? Because we could have experienced something and just because we've experienced it doesn't necessarily mean like, well, Jeffrey, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm showing you empathy. I understand where you've been. I actually was there maybe five years ago. <laughs> Sometimes people don't do that. You know, they say, I want to forget it. I'm not, I'm not showing any empathy. I don't want to get reminded of You know, we don't often, we don't often, you know, because there are some of us that learn it, but we don't often learn some of those ways of being, those skills and how we interact with others. We're taught a lot of theories and myths often about what love is. I'm in love. This person should have an undying love for me. You know, we sacrifice so much of who and what we are without actually opening to be present for another. Yes. And vulnerability, you've pointed to it and you've said it once in our discussion here today. Yes. Vulnerability is an important quality and it's an important practice that, hey, I don't know. Hey, this is upsetting me. I attempted to do this and it didn't work out, or I just don't have the answer to that. I need more tools. I maybe need some advice or I judge somebody and yes. I, I perhaps should not have, but I did, you know, and, and being vulnerable in somebody, I think it comes with honesty. Part of being vulnerable is being a hundred percent honest and not only honest with yourself. If you're honest with yourself first, you can then be honest in, in your communications and relationships with others. Very, very important to recognize in our earthly walks here, Jeffrey, as, as you've been saying, yes. treating people with kindness, right? You know, recognizing great things about them. And I think if you've done some personal work, all of us maybe have done some personal work, you're more apt to do that. 
you know, and recognize something really, really great in a person, irrespective, as we've already talked, of their condition. You know, we look at that act of kindness and gratitude. You know, to me, that is the core existence of love. As I sat with this and held some space with these ideas today, preparing and going into this, trying to open my own mind, this thought come to me. Love is not an all-encompassing act of consuming. It's the act of authentic acceptance of another being. Mm -hmm. And when you've accepted yourself, as we've pointed to on our discussion today a bit, you're more readily able to accept another. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I really believe that. There was a lot of work. I think his name was John Ruskin mm. in his book, Emotional Clearing, yes. talking about self-acceptance. And when you self-accept in a lot of different ways, feelings and everything else, you're more apt not to reject others. Okay. And that's important. It comes back to that inner, inner light, right? That inner light that we have yes. to make sure that we're always glowing and shining that inner light, even though there may be some darkness. Okay. But we're still able to emanate that light, even maybe with the existence of some, some darkness that we continue sometimes have to, mm. to deal with. Yeah. I'm sure there were some potentially dark days where they're not for yourself and also for Gail going through that experience. There, there were, she, um, she, she maintained mm. a, a very strict regimen when she was battling the cancer to boost her immune system. She was on a very, very a strict nutrition program. She always had to get enough sleep and exercise and movement and, you know, things that she could control to keep her immune system as strong as it could be so that the cancer wouldn't spread any more in her body than it would already had. And then with some chemo, keeping it at bay, different drugs when she was at different trials through different times. And then early on, like her first two or three years, they had to blast it out. Man. She had to do the radiation. She had to get the surgery to cut it out. You know, so there was those extreme ways to deal with it. But then after it was arrested to in a certain point, what can I do as far as approaches? And that included body work. It included a medical medium, it included like mental and metaphysical things Yes, that also, and being in touch with nature, natural things, nature, the outside that helped her entire being fight off that cancer because it can be also a mind game, a feeling game. There's an emotion component, a mental component, as you know, a spiritual component and a physical component. You know, Gail told me that and, and maybe people don't know this, she had done some research, that the chemicals from the chemo would actually be enhanced in her body, would be more effective if she was able to make love on some level of consistency. I'm being very, very honest here, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. So that, so there was that whole thing, you know, she was, she was going through to prevent those, quote, darker moments as much as she could. And then she had days where she was tired. She couldn't go out. Mm -hmm. Things that she couldn't do. She was an Argentine tango dancer and, and a very good one. She would try to do once a week and some, some weeks she couldn't go. Okay. She just wasn't up to it. There was days that we had you know planned an outing and she wasn't able to go. And there were towards the end in her transition stage, that, that was a whole nother level, especially the last six weeks of her life. That's a whole nother dynamic where she had very positive days in that transition period. And she had challenging days during that transition. All shared in the book. I, I did go into detail about everything in the book, the good times, the more challenging times, the positive times, the more spiritual times in giving one a picture of if you're both open to an open, honest relationship, these are the things that will happen and be created because you're both open and inspired to do that. And um, duality in life, yes. some yes. very, very positive light, some more challenging. Yeah, there again, we're multidimensional beings. Looking at that story, that's such a great inspiration and testament to Gail, how she lived while going through that, through Cancer. So often, you know, we get stuck in these various states of being. Am I living on something? Am I living in something? Am I living through something? 
that's a testament that she found that spirit rather than get stuck in those emotions, those feelings, and that circumstance that can often bring a person to that place where the spirits crashed and shifted that to live through it and finding some of that joy, finding some of that joy and that love in the interaction and the relationship with you. You know, in a in all very true, Jeffrey, and thank you for those comments. It, 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 it's interesting how towards the latter stage, COVID mm. in many cases set the conditions and the environment by which the last 44 days of Gail's life, which was in an inpatient hospice home here in San Diego, Parkview Hospice Home. It was a four-bed facility. Outstanding palliative care, great team of people that helped me. I visited Gail every day. It encouraged both of us to be totally present even more because Gail it was only immediate family because of COVID to, to visit. So it was her mother, her mother's boyfriend, myself, and Gail's brother. Very few people, and, and we couldn't all be there at the same time. So it became, Gail liked to have people around her and interact with people. It became a challenge for Gail towards that last stage mm. to become more present with herself and to try to find that peace I was there to try, you know, keeping her, I was at her side every day, but it was almost, she would have liked to have done more even when she was in those last 44 days, if it's really what I'm saying, because that's what she was trying to do every day, even with the cancer until, you know, until it became, she couldn't really do much anymore to the very, very end of transition. Yeah. That sense of presence to me, that's such a crucial point to point out being present with ourselves and others, not only being in touch with our thoughts and feelings, but being in balance and purposefully intentional about how we interact with those thoughts and feelings, how we interact with others, how we open ourselves to be aligned with that understanding of another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, Jeffrey, too, is it, it's a valuable lesson to all of us. Gail talked about always standing in her truth. Mm the end and knowing who she was, what was important in her life. And I remember when she got the final diagnosis, when we had to bring her back into the hospital, she said, you know, Larry, I was a lover, a dancer. She had been married three times. She, she never had any children, not that she had to. I was a lover, a dancer, and I took pictures. She was a professional photographer for, for 33 years, but it was kind of funny. She just <laughs> kind of put it down on a very, yeah. uh, a very wow. simple way to describe her career. And I took pictures mm-hmm. and then some of them, and she published three books, photography books that were all very, very critically acclaimed, but she just made it in what she did. And I fiercely defended and, and nourished by my friends and, and relationships and, and my relationships with my friends. So it was, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting when the transition comes, how you look at your life and maybe who you were, what you did. And then her, her last statement was, and I always stood in my truth. And she did to the end, which really helped to help to make it possible on how she was able to transition on her terms. Because, and I share that in the book, how each case is different. And once you become a patient advocate, as I did with Gail, so, so to speak, how Yes. You listen yeah. to that person and what their needs are, how they want to transition and how they want to maintain some dignity and transition as close as they can, Jeffrey, on their terms. OK, as preparation for that next step. And I think that's the way she looked at it. But standing in truth. So what her core values were, what her strong beliefs were yes. and how her truth was evident in everything she said, everything she did and everything she touched. And that's powerful. Yeah. You know, that, that standing in your truth, as long as you're not, you know, caught in a puddle of your truth can become that greatest act of love in all we do, you know, in that joy and vigor, that excitement that we share with others throughout our lives. To me, that is such a powerful Testament. And it brings back to your point on vulnerability. When you stand in your truth, some of your truths may be controversial. Damn. 
may be not in agreement or some other people may not agree with them. Yeah. Okay. And then that's being part of being vulnerable where you express what your truth is. You don't hide it and you state it and what is important to you, how you live your life. And that's also part, I think, being vulnerable is sharing what your truth is. Yes. And that was something very admirable that I learned from her. Absolutely. Let's peel that idea back a little bit, standing in your truth. Share with us a little from your insight, how we discover what that truth is and how we live aligned with that. Great, great question. And maybe not a one word answer. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, sure. Do, I do think uh, it comes down to number one, being aligned with what is important to mm-hmm. you how you want to live your life. Who are you as a person? What are your priorities? What do you want to be, I'll say, remembered for when your days here on earth are over? Because if you step back is really trying to identify what those five particular truths are. And it could only be three. For some people, they want to put a number on it, but I I think simple, sometimes less is more. And if you can designate somewhere between three and five in your life, as far as for some people, it could be faith, okay? Faith drives how I live my life, okay? And my, my, my spiritual beliefs really provide the foundation for what else I am doing. My physical nourishment and my physical body and being is a key to that and supports my faith. So what I believe is whatever those are for a person, Jeffrey, they're aligned. Okay, The faith would be connected to the physical and maybe the physical to service. Maybe a core value is serving others. Okay, well, if a person may say, if my faith is strong, my physical being is strong, I can then serve more. So they all kind of align together. They're not just all over. Maybe a spokes on a wheel. And to make that person really an integrated person, a whole person, mm. those are those core values that you live by. That's how you live your life. And they're all connected. They're, they're harmonious. They're not balanced. It's not like it's this, but they're harmonious. And sometimes your faith may talk to you strongly on a certain day. Maybe your physicalness or your real state of health talks to you strongly on a different day. And maybe your serving (laughs) and your ability and desire to serve on a certain day is a little louder that day, almost like an orchestra playing, right? So whatever those three to five (laughs) core values are, they can be aligned. I I hesitate to use the word should. They can be aligned for most impact for your life, for me. For me. And that, that's how I look at looking at each day in identifying core values, yes. what they are to you, actually ranking them in priority of importance, and then living your life in alignment with those. Yeah, you know, to me, the greatest way I relate to that, the most simple, forthright way I know to convey that, what creates value for me and others in how I exist? How does that create meaning? And where do we find purpose in that? You know, where do we find purpose to serve others in that? I think service. Now, maybe that comes back to the concept, Jeffrey, here of mission and purpose and then vision. And not to be too theoretical about it, but in your work and what you've decided to create and your mission to provide a platform for others to share their stories that can then connect with others to inspire them to share their stories. Yes. And here we are then, (laughs) what do we have in common? We're all learning from each other. And in some cases being inspired by one another which is what it's about. And uh, then there's the division. So then that's, you know, maybe, maybe your mission and yes. you know, I'm being so bold to talk about what you've created, but because it, it, <laughs> I think it is powerful. It pretty well. <laughs> so then it's a vision of having more people inspired to create something on their own as you have done, which then kind of snowballs. And then your vision now is you have, a, we have a, a greater world of people serving together on higher levels in different ways where perhaps they would not have before you created what you've created. 
And, you know, I know there's others maybe doing similar parallel things, and that's great. But that, that's where I look at that, you know, that vision, that yes. purpose and mission, how it leads to some sort of a vision of an environment of a reality that's on a higher level of what we're experiencing today. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't always have to be rungs on a ladder. Sometimes we get to a certain point. When we look at science, we observe, we can track where our energy shifts and how we've developed as an understanding of vibrating on different levels. We move into those higher state of beings. We move into that place where your body is functioning in a different way. I've had a, um, in my first book, Insights for Life, I talked about substance seeking substance. Mm. And this is no judgment on somebody who, who I may, let me just say, evaluate as maybe superficial. Yes. I'm not trying to be critical or too judgmental, but maybe not as deep or maybe just transactional. And I'll say, well, just kind of surface level stuff. Well, yeah. that really doesn't yeah. work for me. I want to really align with somebody who's a little deeper. So in substance seeking substance, I do believe when you put out positive energy, yes. whatever your platform is, you're going to attract some similar souls. And then when you connect together, as Gail and I did, perfect example, there'll be an experience that or you'll create something and have an experience that you've never thought was possible before because the universe brought you in. And I always think those connections, I do yeah. think substance yeah. seeks substance. I think it's a universe thing. I think it does bring us together for a purpose and sometimes long time, sometimes a shorter period. That's a great point for me to connect with here. When we look at that and we back that into that state of unconditional love and unconditional positive regard, where do we also look at that and say, like attracts like mm. opposites attract often, you know, we attract into our lives sometimes exactly what we need, which may be the thing that guides us to a lesson, which may be a potentially difficult situation, which may be contrary to what we believe to be our intention or our truth. That's an unusual angle to kind of come in and look at it. You know, where are we releasing expectation and judgment? to move back into that state of openness, unconditional love, unconditional positive regard. Not an easy yeah. thing to do yeah. sometimes, Jeffrey. You know, no judgments, no conditions, no expectations. It's like, whoa. Well, especially when we're wired to survive against that. Yeah, am I taking a vow of poverty here? You know, yeah. What we say we're wired, maybe we're not wired that way. You know, maybe that's another mistruth or illusion we've created for ourselves. Oh yeah, we're using that for a bailout plan by saying we're wired to do that. At what point did that wiring connect? I like to look at that angle and say, that's an openness. That's considering where you might be creating a bias and a block in it by just simply saying, well, we're wired that way. Are we wired that way? It's, uh, it's easy to accept the accepted level of what wiring is. Okay. It's, it would have been easy, and I'm no hero. It would have been very easy for me, yeah. uh, either on the first phone call with Gail or after my first meeting, to say, you know what, this is a little too much. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't think this is going to work for me, Gail. Um, yeah, you know, you're an awesome person, but um, you know, this is just not going to work for me. And that's not judging somebody who would have evaluated yeah. that in meeting Gail that situation. I'm not judging a person. And she had people who she met with that said, yeah. I, I, you know, Gail, thank you. Good luck to you, but it's just not going to work. Okay. There's no judgment there. However, when you getting back to your wiring, yeah. if you can challenge the existing quote, accepted wiring yes. and say, wait a minute. And we've already talked about it. There's something here that if I continue to discover and go deeper on something profound here, I'm attracted to this person and captivated for a reason. I'm not, I can't explain yes. it. <laughs> and even, and you know, I will. What a beautiful experience. It I, absolutely. And I will say to you, honestly, um, here today, Jeffrey, yes. you know, my theme was do something significant. I never thought, and many times this happens, I believe in life. Mm -hmm. I was never with Gail going, oh, I'm doing something significant. I am living out my theme. That did not all hit me yeah. <laughs> till only towards the end of last year, after the book had 
been released after everything was, after we had a gale ceremony to uh, spread her ashes. All that was behind me. And then I had a moment where I just said, in looking at my summary of 2020, and for all of us, 2020 was a heck of a year. It was different. Yes. And I said to myself, was I aligned with my theme and my actions? I said, you know what? I didn't know do something significant. I didn't know what that was going to be. But you know what? I think in my connection with Gail and this, I think that's what it was. I, I do. And there was other things I did, but I wasn't consciously thinking about it. It happened. And then and sometimes, what is that uh, statement, Jeremy? Life is meant to be lived looking forward, but best understood when viewed backwards. Viewed backward and looking back. What meaning you know? did I leave? What meaning am I moving toward? You know, how has all of this created Ultimately, the meaning of my being. That's a powerful statement. It, it, it is. What is of significance? That's great. To me, that's our theme today is how are we unconditionally loving ourselves and others in ways that create significant meaning? Making a difference. You hear making a difference and it's like, yeah, um, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> I always remember during my um, two things about my graduate program, mm. there, there was a seminar workshop. And in those days, I'm going back many years, we viewed a, um, it was a presentation. In those days, I think it was on like a, yes. a VHS yes. tape. This goes way back. <laughs> it might have been a few 65 years, years ago. Old. <laughs> and it was, the presentation was who you are now, who you are now is where you were when. Mm. Who you are now is where you were when. So I'm looking, here I am a guest on your wonderful show. So who I am now is where I was when. Well, if I wasn't sitting at a date with Gail, that second encounter I had with her, yes. I wouldn't be sitting here today talking with you, Jeffrey. So it's like, so who I am now doesn't necessarily define me is where you were when. Now that sounds like just randomness. Well, you were somewhere and something happened and it led to something else. I don't believe in randomness because <laughs> that gets back into what we talked about earlier in our beautiful discussion here is, is choice. Is life about choices or chances? Well, I made a choice yeah. to do something last January, go online. I made a choice to connect with Gail and to continue to connect with her. And that led to a chance to have an experience, a profound experience with her because I made that choice. Yes. So where choice leads to chance and on Gail's side, her choice to embrace life, continue to put herself out there, even with the cancer, led to a chance to connect with a man that she could have a loving experience with that would help her ultimately through that last, which turned out to be the last four months of her life, which um, we, we did not know. So I did want to share that because I, I, I do think that's, um, that, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> what we know and think to be random might, and probably in most certain form and terms, mm -hmm. just simply be the truth. It's supposed to happen that way. <laughs> now, it does get back to, um, you know, it can get back to a person's spirituality, a view of the universe, yeah. or view of some, some people, yeah. you know, they feel their life has a plan, especially like Christian belief, God has a plan for your life, and he is engineering this. Yeah. You may not understand it all, but if you accept that this is the plan for your life, but you do have control over some of that. It's just not, it's just divine intervention and you're, you're yeah. looking for signs and what do I do next? No, but some may view it that way. And then others, it's the universe bringing similar energies together at the right time. Ultimately, we can control to some degree of certainty our thought and choice. Therein, we're crossing that line again. You know, are we certain of that or is there something greater than us moving us forward? Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation to dive into that we won't delve in today. I like leaving those cliffhanger thoughts out there. Just hold on to that. Hold on to that because the universe will bring a message to speak to that soon. Choice, uh, <laughs> choice is, is powerful. You know, the, the freedom to choose and the, the freedom to decide and yes. choose yes. what road to go down, when to do that. And sometimes if you follow your heart, you'll just... You'll do it like I did with Gail. And it turned out to be uh, an amazing experience, Jeffrey, and to all your listeners. For all the Gail, and I put this in the book, for all the Gails and Larrys out there who are afraid, and it doesn't have to be cancer, and it doesn't have to be life and death, please. Yeah. 
but maybe you're doubting. No, I'm not sure about taking a risk. Live in the present. Yes. Go for it. You may just experience a love that's so profound that you've never experienced before. You know, ultimately, if you don't exercise that ability to exercise choice, you've still chosen to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if we don't open to that unconditional positive regard and that unconditional potential of love, we've chosen not to be aligned with that. We've chosen to deny the potential in all of that. Great point. Exceptional point. Some people have asked me, would you have done it all over again? Mm. I said, I absolutely would have had the relationship with Gail. I absolutely would not have changed anything, frankly. Now, does this mean that on my journey forward, and I've learned tremendous amount of love and life lessons. Does this mean on my journey forward, yeah. I will continue to try to find somebody in Gail's exact situation. No, no. But because I went through that experience and that love with her, it, it kind of opened up my heart. It didn't break my heart, yeah. but it opened up my heart to possibilities. And, and the, the confidence now I have more of that I'll be open to love in, in the future yeah. on higher levels. Yeah. Which, which I think is important. So once you experience something <laughs> on a certain level, you kind of, oh, I've been there. You know, I kind of know really what it feels like now. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I did want to share that because that's come up in some conversation. So ultimately looking back through this experience, what do you feel if you could pinpoint one thing the greatest lesson was? The quality of the human being that I had the honor and privilege of connecting with. This woman was an exceptional person. She was soft. She was feminine. She was steely strong in her resolve. She was worldly. She was colorful. And mm. I feel I've learned so much from her. And I am just so humbled and honored that the universe brought us together. And I was able to experience that. And that's the one thing is the quality of this person irrespective of all her challenges. And that's the one thing that if you see someone or someone's in life, the quality of the human being will always be the paramount thing that's important. The, the monetary stuff, the level of status is whatever it is, but that's really what's important. And I wanted to honor that connection and that quality yeah. Through, yeah. through the book. The book is not an autobiography, but you do get to know Gail what she was about, and then how she lived her life towards the end, and then what she did for others and for myself. And that's really one thing mm. to, to answer that question succinctly, Jeffrey. Yeah. What a way to look at just simply how to be, how to be aligned with unconditional love and unconditional truth with positive regard. Where can we go to find out more about connecting with you in 126 Days and 11 Minutes, our love story, the book? Thank you, Jeffrey. It is available on Amazon.com, Amazon Books, either in Kindle or paperback form. It should be launched any day now on Amazon's Audible. Yes. The audio version mm. will be out. I was hoping before Valentine's Day, we still have a couple days, it may happen, but this month it's going to come out in, in Audible form as well. So immediately kindle or paperback version on amazon.com and if you process your books consume your books in an audio fashion it's going to come out on audible very very soon so on on both sides 126 days 11 minutes our love story to get a hold of me the best way to do it if you're on linkedin larry in the viglia that's a mouthful l-a-r-r-y i-n-d-i-v-i-g-l-i-a and then also if you want to email me directly lindiviglia at gmail.com. And uh, those are the two best ways by which to reach out to me. I'm also on Facebook at Larry Indiviglia. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Larry, yeah, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Let you complete your thoughts. No, that's good. <laughs> I rushed ahead on you there. Larry, I want to thank you for sharing your amazing energy and for sharing this wonderful inspiring legacy of Gail and her life. 
you know, I, I don't think there could be any greater way to honor another human being, but by sharing that example of her story with others. So I thank you for sharing that with us today and for also sharing your wonderful, warm, loving energy with us. Jeffrey, it's been a pleasure and honor. I'm humbled about it and uh, continue to serve on the levels you're serving. It's inspiring and you're making a great difference to all of us out here who want to share our stories and sometimes don't know the exact forum and how best to do that. And you're making it easier for us to do that. And uh, so please continue the meaningful work you're doing. I really, really appreciate it. I want to thank you. I am so grateful for that opportunity because it is the amazing energy and the amazing messages of guests like yourself that create the meaning in that journey. I would love to have you come back again and share another conversation soon. Jeffrey, just contact me. It'd be a pleasure. Absolutely. It sounds great, my friend. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. We leave you today with this inspiring reminder. Learn to love without condition. Talk without bad intention. Give without reason. And most of all, care for people without any expectation or exception. Love is not an all-encompassing act of consuming. It's the act of authentic acceptance of another being. We are shaped and fashioned by what we love. We live in a conditional world, struggling to unconditionally love. The greatest love of my life has taught me this undying truth. Love what matters. Living life in the now, not the yesterday or tomorrow. Being more present with ourselves and others. Not only being in touch with our thoughts and our feelings. In balance and purposefully intentional about how we interact. Larry has shared his touching story of unconditional love. But we want to know, how do you intend to live in love more unconditionally? Drop us a note, share a message to a friend or loved one, telling them why you found this message meaningful, or send us some love by sending us a review at Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We want to take this moment to thank you, our appreciated, loved, and valued listeners, for making this year such an amazing journey. We are grateful for you as we continue guiding you towards that light that shines inside us all. 